It's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. Gosh, I'm glad to see you. Make new friends, the old friends. Rich, the last time I was here, you had Arnold Burkhardt in the congregation. I greeted him at 99 years old. When he was uh, at another church, they believed in me, a 29-year-old candidate, and gave me a chance to be the pastor of that church. And uh, I'd never forgotten what it meant to have older men believe in me. Now I get a chance to young people who will uh, wonder if they have a calling upon God to go and reside in the Muslim world. That's what we do. We follow like Paul in Ephesians 3.8. Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace has been given to me to bring the news of the riches of God to the Gentiles. All of us are the least of these saints, aren't we? We're pretty sure that somebody else is bolder and more spiritual and got 4.0 in their prayer life in college. So uh, we're the least, and that's a calling. Thank you, Jesus, for calling the leadership of this church. Uh, and I want to sing the praises of, of Rich and Janice Duncan. They have been missionaries, as you know, uh, in, among another people in Latin America. And he is already an expert on, on mission agencies. But I've got a gift for you, Rich. This book is called the Mission Handbook of all the mission agencies in North America. Nothing like this has ever been put together before. It's an index in alphabetical order. And uh, it's going to make you a walking, talking, living, breathing expert on missions around the world. Thank you very much for your leadership. Won't you thank Rich with me? <clears throat> we have a great text, a prophetic word from Micah chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord shall be lifted up and be established as the highest of all the mountains. It shall be lifted higher than the hills. And many peoples will stream up to it. And many nations will say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways that we may follow in his paths. And he will arbitrate between many nations, and he will settle disputes between many nations far and wide. And then the great text. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation will not lift up sword against nation, nor shall they study war anymore. But they shall live in peace, in shalom, under their own fig tree, under their own vines. And no one will make them afraid because the word of the Lord of hosts has been spoken. Let the good news come now, O God, not only in words, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Something has occurred in our time as among us who are watching, fighting, and praying for the Muslim world. That is unique, astonishing, and portentous of bigger things to come. I'd like to tell you a story that tells the larger story. Ed and Sue Orm and their three children moved to Karachi, Pakistan 
to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to Muslims, one of the hardest, hottest locales in the world. And at the university, they put up a little white card that said, room for a, someone to live with us. And a man from the countryside, 18 years old, let's call him Boatman, he came to this sign and he saw it and he said, I'll try to live with this family. And when he knocked on the door, he realized, oh my gosh, they're Americans, they're probably Christians, I better take care of myself, I've been warned all my life. And yet he lived with them and he was intensely curious about the, the affection shared between Ed and Sue, Sue in their marriage. And how Ed would read the gospel, read the Bible, and then let his hands out like this and bless his three boys. One day, Boatman was walking on the edge of a boat. That's why we're going to call him Boatman, showing off to the girls, and he fell into the river. The motor on the boat took that boat away, and he realized, I don't know how to swim. When he surfaced, that boat was too far away to be called back. He went down into the water, and he called upon the name of the god of Ed Orm. And when Boatman surfaced, that boat had somehow to return to where he was, they fished him out, put him in the bottom of the boat. He, boat, he threw up his water, and he said to himself, who is this God who listens to the words of an unbeliever? And now very intensely, listening every day to Ed, he finally gave his life and was baptized. This set off a pyroclastic explosion back in his home city when they found out about it. And his own family, especially his older brother, the one with the beard named, Bo named Cornelius, let's call him Cornelius, made plans to do his worst, you know, this went on for months, a uh, standoff. And then one night, Ed and Boatman and another American said, let's, let's drive to your family and see what happens. The Lord would have us to do this. They had decided to drive all night in their four-cylinder putt-putt car through the darkness out into the western part of Pakistan to the Baluch people. And uh, they went in complete darkness on the night, which the Muslims call the Eid al-Adha, which means the night of the sacrifice. When Abraham was provided by God a sacrifice instead of his son. You remember this story from, uh, from Genesis. It's a story in the Muslim world as well. And all over the world on that next morning, the, the lamb will be sacrificed and people will uh, celebrate God's uh, remembrance of the son. While this cup, these three people drove all night, Cornelius, back in the house, the man with the beard, had a dream. And the Lord woke him up and said, tomorrow three men will knock on your door and they will tell you the truth about me. Gather your family. Now the hair stood up on the back of Cornelius' head as he couldn't sleep the rest of the night. And when the car turned off its motor in front of the metal door, and when the men knocked on the door, Cornelius stood up, walked to the door, saw his brother and the two strangers, and asked, are you men here to tell me the truth about God? Now the hair stood up on Ed's head. Invited in like that, Cornelius opened the door to all the bedrooms and told his family to gather in the living room. They sat on the floor. They li listened to Cornelius tell about the dream. The mother served tea. And with that kind of an introduction, Ed told the story of John the Baptist's words to, to Christ and the crowd in John chapter 1, verse 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world on the day of the great feast of the Lamb. You see, And they listened all morning. They discussed it among themselves. How shall we respond to this great truth? And all into the afternoon until the whole family decided they would be baptized. And we have a picture of the whole family dripping wet. And if you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me because I can't.
No wonder Jordan Groom said, if God calls me to be a missionary, I would not stoop to be a king. However, however, Ed did not live much longer. He contracted malaria and he died of cerebral malaria in his brain. He, he bled out of every part of his face. And at the funeral there in Karachi, these two men, Boatman and Cornelius, pledged to the widow, Sue, we will never forget our father in the faith and we will carry on his work through among our people. And today there are hundreds of families and networks of people who have been baptized and are telling others the good news of Jesus. We call this a movement. A movement. If we were to count the number of movements that have happened in the first 14 centuries of historical relationship between Christians and Muslims, the total would be so close to zero that it would seem like a flat EKG on a screen. But something's happened in recent days which makes it look more like a hockey stick. And, and something portends for the future. Now, having said that, I'd like to ask your help to demonstrate this in the front here. And I'm going to ask for some volunteers to come up. And I know that in church, most people say, please don't ask me. But if you will say to your friend next to you, and I'm looking for 16 people to come up here to the front, and I'll demonstrate something. And you'll have an astonishing experience. But I need some volunteers to get me through this embarrassing time. So say to your person next to you, if, you go, if you'll go, I'll go. And I'm going to wait until we get 16 people up here. And thank you very much. Let's do that now. Yeah, like that. Jackie, thank you. I'm going to have you hand these out. Seven, eight, nine. Starts with seven. Thank you. Don't you want to thank these people for saving us from this embarrassing moment? Wish I had a few more. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to write a number on this when I give you the number, and then you're going to pass it to the next person. Write it really big. Like it's going to be a zero. Now, we're going to start with the 7th century. That's when Islam began. And this man's going to write the number that I give him now. We're going to go down the centuries. Now, we're going to record the number of movements. This is the work of what you can do when everybody... Do they need to be in order? Yeah, okay. need to be in order. Thank you. The centuries have to be in order. So, now we're going to give you the number of movements in every century, Okay. This is the work of David Garrison, a PhD in history from the University of Chicago. In the seventh century, the number of movements to Christ among Muslims was zero. And you've got it there on your, and show it now. And then the number of movements in the eighth century was zero. And the number of movements in the ninth century was one. And the number of movements among Christ in the tenth century was zero. And the number of movements among Christ to movements of Christ among Muslims in the eleventh century was zero. And in the twelfth century, one. Good. And the 13th century was zero. And the 14th was zero. And the 15th was zero. And the 16th was zero. And the 17th was zero. So we're not exactly seeing a trend here, are we? And the 18th was zero. And the 19th was zero. And the 20th, something happened in the last decade of the 20th century and we saw for the first time we saw move we saw 11 movements to Christ in the last decade from the 1990s so put down 11 thank you so much and then in the 20th century in the first 12 years of the 20th century we saw 
13 years, we saw 69. So put the word 69 there. And then in the other three years, 20th century here that we've got recorded, 35. Now observe this, my friends, and say something astonishing because we are, we are on tiptoes to see what is happening in the Muslim world, something unprecedented, something that's portended, something which really must happen if all the peoples of the world are going to hear the good news of the gospel. It's too small for historians to pick up on this deal. I don't want to overplay this. I don't want to say that we're seeing breakthroughs like we have seen among the Han Chinese of China. Oh my gosh, what's happened? But we are seeing something that portends a great future that must happen. According to the chapter of Micah, the nations will come and say, come, let us hear the good news of the, of the gospel. So, uh, this is what I wanted you to see. And can't you thank the Lord for what he's done in our time? Thank you very much, everyone. So I've written a little poem about this. About what's happening now. Here it is. And would you looky here at such an incoming tide, the likes of which our fathers never saw. The waters round our feet are rising fast. The ark of Christ will sail at last. You peoples of the earth, last call, come aboard. Yes, you were meant to sail on the ark of the Lord. I read your name on the passenger list. Take your ticket. Dinner's formal. Come aboard. And after I wrote the lyrics, I put it to music. And seeing this incredible grand piano here, what do you think? <laughs> do you mind if I embarrass myself and play, play the song? So I'm thinking of Hebrews 2.14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. And would you looky here at such an incoming tide, the likes of which our fathers never saw. The waters round our feet are rising fast. The, the ark of Christ will sail at last. You peoples of the earth, last call, come aboard. Yes, you were meant to sail on the ark of the Lord. I read your name on the Take your ticket, come aboard. You are too kind. All aboard. This ship is bound for glory and there's still a room for many more in the berths and in the galley. So let us open up our hearts to the things that the Lord is doing, maybe like never before, in answer to our prayers, in looking down at the martyrs, with the love of God compelling us, 2 Corinthians 5.14, and frankly, with the fires of hell confronting the Muslim world for all unbelievers, but with the Holy Spirit empowering us and the goodness of God rewarding us and the promises of God assuring us we are going to attempt great things for God and we're going to expect great things for God. And if you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me. 
might have some notes. But I sing the, I ask the Lord to give us a heart for the peoples that are still beyond the movements, still beyond any missionary's voice. You can only have a movement if you've got missionaries. I want to draw your attention to the 1,000 places in the Muslim world where there's still no missionary presence. Let's call them the caves of the missionary world, okay? My wife and I taught English in Thailand for two years, and when we saw the first picture of those junior high boys with the skinny legs, she said, those look like our students, and about melted my heart. We started to pray with tears. And it looked like a long, long process. And then it's all, the denouement has come in this past week. And one man gave the last full measure of devotion. A tough guy, a Navy SEAL from the Thai... He gave, he gave his life that these kids might live. There will be a great cost for those who go out and, and bring the hope of Jesus Christ to Muslims. But I can tell you the places and the peoples, 1,000 Muslims who are in the caves, and not just 13 people, but 13,000, 130,000 peoples in different parts of the Muslim world who are without hope and without God and can only begin this process when the leaven is in the lump, when the yeast is in the dough, and that happens through the preaching of the gospel and the word of the Lord of hosts being spoken. My best language, except for English, is, is Kurdish. We worked among the Kurdish people of, of Iraq. The Kurds, they say they live between Iraq and a hard place. Ha ha. And we have this text in the, in the Kurdish language. It goes like this. Menhendek from John chapter 10, verse 14. Menhendek I have other sheep that are not of this fold. They too must hear my voice. This is where history is going. The must of Jesus Christ. They too will be gathered in. There should be one flock and one shepherd. So this is where history must go. I mean God's revealed purposes are not yet fulfilled. The world cannot end like it is now. Not with so many Muslims in the Caves were beyond hope, beyond the missionary voice, and all the other mission agencies that are being featured here today. I don't know why I was chosen to be the one, but I want to sing the praises of all the other mission agencies that are here that you've said yes to. Because we have to take back the night here on the peninsula. We have to take back the night in the state of California. We have to take back the night for the peoples who are beyond the church's reach at this time. And it must happen according to the scriptures. Matthew 24, 14, the words of Christ, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end shall come. This is the only place in the Bible these six words are used, and then the end shall come. So I propose to you, of all the important things that the the church has been given to do, there is one most urgent, and then the end shall come. So I'm going to make a prediction this morning. Get ready to text your friends you're going to be able to tell them you were here when you first heard this prediction. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm from a nonprofit organization. (laughs) What's about to happen in the history of the world? Unexpected things. There, you heard it here first. But these things all happen through the revelation of the one who said, go and make disciples among all the ethne, all the peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you. And then the great promise for those who do go, I will be with you. I will be with you. We sang the song that God is love. 
I'm always looking for the references to God is love because there's no reference like that in the Muslim world. And if you've grown glassy-eyed with it, come on, get back and see what it's like if you had not had the privilege of having the word of the Lord spoken to you from such a one as this. And when I came back to Christ my, after my own fall, I hoped that he would be forgiving and that I could count on him. It'd be like a father and he'd want me at his banquet and he'd have, give me his perfect teachings. All these things came true in Jesus Christ. Love one another for love is from God. Whoa, now we are on unique ground in the, in the Christian world. For love is from God. He who loves his brother, he knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. There's, there's no other deity that men have ever conjectured or invented or wondered about who loved people, who wanted them back, who wanted to show up where they are, wanted to sit down with them, and only Jesus Christ and his Father talk like this. So down in those thousand Muslim caves, the theology of Islam says to those people, nobody's coming for you. And I can't stand it. it. Tears me apart. Think of those Thai boys with the spindly legs. They must have almost lost heart. We, you would. And then that, that frogman, that Na- the British Navy SEAL, came up from the water on the hill where they were sitting there in the complete darkness with his backpack on and this goggle on and this headlight on. And he, he looks at them, takes the piece out of his mouth and says, lovely because that's the way British talk, you know. <laughs> How many of them are you? 13. Brilliant! That's the way British talk. <laughs> he comes up out of nowhere, you know, in this frog. And that's what Jesus Christ is going to do for people. It's the last thing they ever thought of was that God is love. And it's the first thing we have to think of, the thing that's going to drive us, because the love of God compels us. It compelled Jesus Christ. I want you to go down there and live 33 miserable years. Oh, Yeah. I don't think he was exactly understood by hardly anybody that was around him. But he said at the end, let not your heart be troubled, either let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, where I am, where I am, you may be also. Who talks like this? Only Jesus Christ. I long to spend one more night with you before I go away. Many shall come from east and west and take their places with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing yourself to us and your love. And that love that compels us to adore him also compels us, and some of us, like Paul, to think of ourselves as the least of these, but a call upon our lives to go. And that's my part with Frontiers. I find the new team leaders who are called and pretty sure that other people are more godly than they are, but that there's a call upon their lives to go. Go where? Go to the thousand caves and be a frogman and go up like this. And Frontiers is not like other mission agencies. We are like a, a lot of startups in Silicon Valley a generation ago. We're pretty sure that it's gonna be a hit and miss, trial and error, learn from our failures, a lot of arguing, but we're pretty sure that the way it's been done in the past by the people more scholarly, scholarly and godly than we are, spiritually more, has yet to be fulfilled, if this, if the, has yet to be done in the ways that can bring about movements. And so movements is, is what we've seen in our time. I've got another story to tell the whole story. Story of Layla in uh, Arab in northern Iraq and her family. Layla and her husband and her children 
walked out of their front door carrying their pictures under one hand and holding their children's hands with the other as the ISIS flags destroyed all the homes and the buildings next to theirs and they made it out of the city only to find the trucks of the ISIS flags were heading towards them. They dropped their pictures, ran. They couldn't keep up going as fast as they needed to when, just when things were looking in their darkest. A white pickup truck showed up and stopped in front of them and the driver said, get in the back. And Layla and her husband and children were driven to the city that we call the City of Refuge, northeast of Fallujah. And when they arrived there, they were issued a tent by the United Nations and the basic humanitarian supplies, and five, six, seven days go by, and you know what? It became very tedious and boring and miserable. A, a, a chapter of their lives had closed, and closed. A new chapter looked totally unacceptable to live like this in a tent with a thousand tents in every direction. And one night, Layla had a dream, and she saw a man in a dream that she'd seen before, and the Lord said, ask this man tomorrow when you see him to tell you the truth about me. And that man's name was Shaluch. And we know Shaluch, he works with us. The next day, Leela saw him and she, she said, I've had a dream about you. And the Lord told me to ask you how to know the truth of God about, from you. And Shaluch said, yes, I will help you. And he gave to her and her husband a little chip to put in their phone. And on this chip, the marvel of our day, were 33 stories in their own language from the Bible, from Genesis to Jesus Christ from creation to Christ. And you know, if you're a non-literate people with much time on your hands, you listen to a story long enough, you can memorize that story. They memorized 33 stories from Genesis to Christ. And having got to the person of Christ, to the Sermon on the Mount, to the dignity with which he treated women, to the regard with which he had for children, to the the, the, the dignity that he gave to peoples that were not his kind, not Jews. You look at the run-up to the Sermon on the Mount, which begins in chapter five. You look at chapter four, see what Jesus was doing. He was up in Syria and his fame sped throughout, spread throughout Syria. That's how the chapter four ends. It's amazing. And when the crowds gathered, there were many non-Jews there. Okay, when the multitudes gathered for the Sermon on the Mount. So more about that another time. When they read about Christ and then they got to the place where he was betrayed and this perfect man, the man who was without guile, the man who told it straight, the man who hated hypocrisy, the man was conspired upon by all the religious leaders and they insulted him and they mocked him and he is friendless and he took the, this, 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 the crown of thorns and they nailed him to the cross. Layla and her husband broke. That's the word they used. They broke. I did too. We all break at Christ. And so with the help of Shaluch, they said to him, it's as though we've been given a pickup truck. We've got to help other people. And so with this little device here, going from person to person in the tent, it's not like every Arab wants to hear the stories of Christ, but if you find one in 40 that wants to start and one in 80 that continues, you, you finally find 25 or 60, you find lots and lots of families who have started the work of the gospel now and been baptized through Layla and her husband. And they find out late in the time that they're not the only ones, you see. And now we have a thousand or more. So that's the story of a movement. And uh, time provides us from telling more. But let me just sum it up to say, with the love of God compelling and the Holy Spirit empowering and the promises of God rewarding and the assurances of God uh, uh, giving us assurance of his goodness,
We're going to accept, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Can't end like it is now, but we have some portent of what must come. Those of us who gather here today at Carmel Presbyterian Church, thank you, thank you, more than my words can express, for your faith in Christ and for your faith in the cause of Christ as demonstrated today in this wonderful Hall of Fame that was up here and the honoring that's going to happen here at the lunch hour. Let me pray as I close. Heavenly Father, we pray that the good news of the gospel that has come to us will come to those who are farthest away, to the ones that are in the caves. And we pray that you would bring about the faith that we would have in your scriptures, that the peoples of the world would lay down their swords, pick up the plowshares, and that children especially live in peace, everyone under their own fig tree, their own vines, and that the word of the Lord would come in power and in the Holy Spirit with full compelling. In the name of the Lord we pray, amen.